again for the joy that you have given us of sending your son to earth to become a baby and to grow and to die for us as your plan of salvation. Thank you for those who are gathered here this morning and also for your blessing and safety on those who are traveling and elsewhere with family and friends, that their worship can also be uh, towards you. Ask your blessing on Mel this morning as he brings what you have given him, that our hearts can be open and equally powerful for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Greetings to each one that's here. So welcome, welcome to our service. Good to have you here. Those who attend regularly and those who are visiting, may God bless your time here. Also want to thank you as a church for your notes of encouragements and gifts and, and cards in the past couple of weeks. Certainly is a blessing to serve. May God bless you as you share in this way. The title of this message this morning is The Wonder of Christmas. And I, I was kind of drawn to that, that phrase in Luke 2, 2.18. And we'll get to that. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And I'd like to look at some of those wonders or some of those uh, uh, amazing things. That word wonder means to, to, to wonder at, to marvel, or to admire. And I, I think as you look close at this, occasion, the birth of Jesus, hopefully we too can wonder and marvel and be amazed because there's a lot of things about that, if you look close, are very interesting. Um, you know, the birth of Jesus came as no surprise to those who were looking for and anticipating his birth. And there's, there's several prophecies that give some very specific details as to what to look for. And, and the details were so unique that there was no mistaking that this was the one that the prophets talked about. It was very different from any birth before or since. And uh, God chose to reveal himself in that way. God has a way of revealing enough of truth and details to his people so as to assure that there is no confusion. If God has a very specific calling on your life, he will give you very clear direction. And I think we'll look at that in just a little while as he spoke to Mary and Joseph. There was no doubt in their mind as to what God was asking of them. And I'd like to look at some of those. Let's turn... Just for a, a, a text, I want to read Matthew 1, beginning verse 18. This is the account as given to Joseph and to the message that was delivered to him. And we all know that God spoke to Joseph and Mary separately, on different occasions, in a different means, in a different way, and yet the same message. No confusion. It was very clear as to what was asked of them and what they could expect. Let's read Matthew chapter 1, begin in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus was on this wise. 
When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put away, put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, <clears throat> for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and she called his name Jesus. As I said earlier, this is a very unique, we'd call it a one-of-a-kind birth. A very much a one-of-a-kind. Very unique in that it hasn't happened before or since. Take a look at it one, Isaiah 7.14, a biological impossibility. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, I didn't read that part, but if you look at the beginning of the chapter, you have the genealogy from Abraham all the way down to Jesus. Notice verse 15. And Eliad begat Eliezer, and Eliezer begat Mathon, and Mathon begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of who was born Jesus, who is called Christ. You notice that Joseph did not beget Jesus, as it says in all the previous ones. Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Mary, you notice it says, Mary of whom was born Jesus. I, I, I was drawn to that especially. Mary was the mother of Jesus, but Joseph was not his father. There was no need for an earthly father. The child Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Certainly was a one-of-a-kind birth, was it not? Also, as we read this reading here in Matthew, we notice that God chose a very unique and one-of-a-kind couple to bear and raise his son. And if you look at the thoughts that were going through Joseph's mind there in verse 19, Joseph had a choice to make. Now the law, I'm not going to read that, but if you want to, read it in Deuteronomy 22, 13 to 21. The law would have allowed Joseph to stone Mary for this. She was, according to those who didn't know the whole story, became pregnant out of wedlock. And Joseph had that right. The law allowed for that, I should say. <clears throat> but he was, it says, he was minded to put her away privately, just a quiet, behind-the-scenes divorce, if you will. And the law allowed that, too. 
But while he notice, while he was while he thought on these things, he was weighing his options. What are my options? What do I do here? My wife, as they would have called her then, even though they were engaged, and their engagement was much more in binding than ours is in our culture, it would have required a legal proceeding to divorce her. He was weighing his options. What could I do or what should I do? And during that, I don't know if this was just a day or two, was it a week or two, we don't, we don't know. But this is very likely just consuming his thoughts. What should I do? But we see, as, as I said, God also chose a one-of-a-kind couple. We see Joseph's character right here. Instead of using the law for his own benefit and to kind of clear himself of any guilt, he followed the Spirit's or God's leading. During a dream, this is revealed to him what he should do. And of course, we also see, um, um, yeah, we see his character revealed here and I'm sure he realized what was at stake. We also see, and I didn't read that, but let's turn to Luke 2, and just for a couple of verses into the character of Mary as we have it here. Luke 2, 19. Of course, this is after... Thank you, Ray, for reading that account this morning. After the event of the announcement by the angels and the foretelling to the shepherds, and then they went to see the child, 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. This was the promised Messiah, and she was asked to bear him as her son. imagine the privilege and the honor that, that, that she had very much a privilege and very much an honor and instead of gloating on this and extolling herself she pondered them in her heart now, as I said earlier, there was probably some mixed emotions there, realizing that Joseph did not really clear his name as far as the, the law was concerned and the community around him. He was still, by many people, guilty of unfaithfulness. And in fact, we can see in other parts of Scripture that they probably dealt with that guilt all their lives. Mary and Joseph would have. So we see the character of, of Mary and Joseph. God chose a very special, a very one-of-a-kind couple. <clears throat> In fact, I'm going to turn back to John chapter 8 just briefly, where Jesus had that long discussion with the scribes and Pharisees, and they were really valuing 
their heritage to Abraham. They were quite proud of the fact that, well, verse 39, Abraham is our father, they were telling Jesus. We don't know who your father is, but Abraham is our father, they were saying. And Jesus went on to tell them that they don't really know the father, the heavenly father. And this really riled them, got them upset. Then in verse 40 and 41, this is them speaking to Jesus. We be not born of fornication. That emphasis is mine, but I can imagine that was very much part of it. We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And, and uh, as I said, it, it, it seems evident that Mary and Joseph probably dealt with that shame all their lives. And I'm sure that Joseph was aware of that as he thought about, weighed his options. What do I do in this case? How do I respond to this? So yeah, it's very possible that they would have dealt with that shame all of their lives. God chose a one-of-a-kind couple to bear and to raise his son. Also want to look at the name Jesus is given a one-of-a-kind name. As I said earlier, not only were they given specific as to how this could happen and, and when, of course, it was, it was soon, but he was also given a name by God, a name. The name Jesus means Savior. The word Christ means anointed, which is the Greek equivalent to Messiah. He is Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is his name, his human name. Christ is his title. Emmanuel, as we see here in verse 23 of Matthew 1, Emmanuel describes who he is, God with us. And the name Emmanuel is also mentioned in the Old Testament, Isaiah 7, 14, and Isaiah 8, verse 8. It's spelled with an I instead of an E, same name. Jesus was also given a very unique and a one-of-a-kind name. So we see that God had some very unique, um, some very specifics that were given that I'm sure that, yeah, Mary and Joseph had no question as to what they were to do, what was God's will for their life. And they humbly and meekly followed them, very likely knowing the cost, very likely knowing what was in store if they followed God's leading. <clears throat> I want to look very briefly at some of these specific prophecies that were given, and I'm not going to turn to them. I'm just going to mention the reference and what came from that reference, some specific prophecies concerning his birth. And some of these happened thousands of years prior. Numbers 24, 17, he would be from the line of Jacob. Isaiah 11, verse 1, he would be born from the family of Jesse. Jesse and then David and then on down the line. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, he would be David's kingly heir. Again, from the line of David. Micah 5, 2, even more specific. He'd be born in Bethlehem, even the town 
the city where he was to be born. <clears throat> and said, Isaiah 7, 14, better yet, he would be born of a virgin. Again, no mistaking, no confusion. Is this the one or no? You know, there was a lot of specifics that were revealed, but notice one thing that was not given, and that is when, a date. There was maybe some things that were leading up to that, but they were not given a date. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that where we are today? We have some specifics again for his second coming. A lot of things that are kind of pointing in that direction look like it's getting close, but we don't have a date. There's no date given, just the challenge to remain faithful meanwhile. <clears throat> I'd like to look at some of the clear directions that God gave as he, um, in order to accomplish his will. You know, God is not limited as to who or what means he uses to reveal his will. And again, neither, and jo neither Joseph nor Mary had any doubts in their mind as to what God was asking of them and what they were to do. And I guess I'm just going to give this as a challenge to all of us. If God has a very specific calling on your life, he will make his, known, make his will known. Sometimes we're giving a little bit of uh, maybe some choices, and I think that's where God would give us wisdom to make the right choice. But in this case, God gave some very clear directions, and I, I think we can, we can rely on that as well for our life today. If God has a very specific calling and direction for you, he will make it known. Notice, God directed through government and a wicked, evil government at that. A couple years later, we know what the govern government did to try to track down this newborn king. He killed all the baby boys from two years of age and under. God worked through a government and even a government of that caliber. I understand Rome took a census every 14 years for both military and tax purposes, and each male, each guy had to return to the city of his fathers to record his name, occupation, property, and family. It was before the days of email, you couldn't even, probably not even first class mail, so they had to appear in person. And here we have, Caesar Augustus was ruling, but God was in charge. For this is what brought Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill his word. And I think I came across several readings. That might have been 60 or 80 miles. Okay, traveling from here to Rochester, maybe the other side of Rochester, your wife, a spouse wife, heavy with child, not just driving in a nice air-conditioned car and turning the heat or AC on, but very likely walking. Maybe she had a donkey, we don't know, but that was their mode of transportation. Quite an undertaking. And I, I know you ladies, if you're due to be delivered, you're not gonna do a lot of traveling if you can avoid it, right? Especially not out of town or out of state. You're gonna try and stay close to home. Imagine the stress that would have been on them at that time. 
there was obviously no option. They couldn't choose not to go. And for some reason, I don't know why Mary had to go with him, but she did. And guess what? Out of town, out of your home community, away from your doctor, away from your midwife, and you have a baby. The first one at that. So you can see that there was a lot of things going on here that we kind of gloss over and don't really think too much about. But this was the, this, this was the setting. God gave clear direction through the angel to Joseph in a dream. I don't know how many of you have had dreams where you had sensed God's direction. But Joseph did, and without a doubt, he acted on that message through the dream. And yet, he also spoke through the angel, Gabriel, to Mary in person. This looked like a real, well, I think she knew it was an angel, but Gabriel appeared to Mary in person. Luke 1, verse 29. And of course, again, speaking about specific, how will this happen since I'm a virgin? She understood that. Again, God or the angel revealed to her exactly how this would happen. You know, God works through impossible situations. Very impossible. Humanly speaking, impossible. Biologically impossible. And yet we see Mary, the handmaid of the Lord. She didn't ask many questions. Can't blame her for asking the ones that she did. And the angel spoke to her and revealed how this would happen. You know, how else can God work through us but through impossible means, humanly impossible. If I'm able to do it on my own strength, it's just me. But if it's beyond me, or like this, a biological impossibility, you know it wasn't Mary and Joseph. It was God working through them. God loves working through impossible situations, humanly speaking. <clears throat> God gave some very clear directions that was way beyond their ability. Now let's turn our attention to the shepherds. And thank you, Ray, for reading that this morning. He must have disappeared. Um, I appreciate that. You know, the shepherds were, as we know, the first to get the news, the shepherds. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading a few verses from that. The shepherds of all people. The shepherds were, they were, uh, had a very simple life, were often viewed as uneducated, uninformed, kind of removed from society. They had a very simple life where they would lead their flock out in the morning and head to an area where there was pasture. Now, Remember, this was desert. This is not like here, where you could just graze sheep most anywhere. This was a desert. You had to look very carefully to find these little tufts of grass growing around to feed your sheep. And there was lots of other shepherds too, so I'm sure there was competition. Who got there first? Who got the best? And there was also the water situation. Again, they weren't just streams everywhere like we have here. 
They had to find these little springs or wells that may have been dug previously. And so you, you needed to have some kind of a knowledge of the area to be able to support or, yeah, have a successful uh, flock of sheep. And so that's what they did. And they would stay with them all day. There was no fences like we have here. They didn't use fences, electric fence. It was just the shepherd being near them and watching over them, guarding them. So that was their life. And even at night, they would spend time with them like we were here. A certain time of year, they would be out overnight. And this is the time. And then, uh, you know, a shepherd would also would have found himself unclean in many times. If they were in touch, in contact with a, a dead sheep, a carcass, they were rendered unclean for seven days. So you can imagine, there might have been quite a few times when they would have not been in clean, cleaned, to go to the temple. And so here they were. Guess who God chose to reveal this birth to? The shepherds. A very humble trade, a humble group of people who would have certainly been uh, very much in touch with nature and the surroundings around them and looked, in for the most part, kind of looked down on society as sort of a, a low down job. <clears throat> but that was typical of Jesus' life. Jesus taught humility, like Ray said this morning. When he entered Jerusalem a week before his, for the uh, offering himself, he rode on a donkey. Again, another symbol of humility. Not on a horse as a soldier or a king would have ridden, but a donkey. There's a lot of wonders about Christmas if you really stop and think about it. It's how wonderful that God chose the lowest of society to announce or to reveal to and to announce this birth, the most important birth of all time. And as Ray said, God had at his disposal the means to bring his son to the earth however he would have, with whatever lavishness he would have wanted. And yet he chose the mother to be out of town, away from home, not near her midwife or doctor, in an overcrowded town that had no room for them, so to speak, except some lowly overflow accommodations, a stable. God chose that instead of some glamour, some pomp, some very influential person or place. I'd like to think just briefly about Emmanuel, God with us, meaning that's the, the meaning of his name. We have um, this, as I said earlier, this promised child was, was um, I mean, to those who were looking for him, they found him. And uh, if we look to Luke, I think it's Luke 2, the end of, toward the end of the chapter, there's two individuals there that, that we see God was, um, they were looking for him and ready for him. Um, 
week, okay, in chapter 2. Verse 25, there was an old brother by the name of Simeon. <clears throat> it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So here he was, led by the Spirit into the temple, and here they come to um, dedicate him, I guess you would say. And the Spirit revealed to him that here he is. What a joy that must have been. And then verse 37, there's another one. A widow, 86 years old, served God with fastings and prayers continually, or night and day. She also was coming in to give thanks and likewise unto the Lord and spoke of him, of all that looked for redemption at Jerusalem. And she also was there, one of those who was ready and expecting and waiting for this birth. He was found by those who looked for him, you know. And I think that true for us today, too, in our day. We're looking for his second coming. The first is behind us. We're looking for his second coming. And even today, he is still found of those who look for him. Those who aren't ready, don't want to see, aren't looking, will miss it. And so I guess I'm going to leave that with, <coughs> leave that challenge with you today. He is still found of those who look for him. Another wonder of Christmas. God bless you as we go from here. Let's stand for a dismissal prayer. Then I'll ask Ken to lead a song. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on us today. Father, as we look at the wonders of Christmas, we are again filled with awe and amazement as we look at some of these details. Thank you for choosing a very special, a one-of-a-kind couple to bear and to raise your son on the earth. Thank you, Lord, that you have given them grace. In spite of the, the shame and humiliation, they likely have faced their lives, all of their lives, for choosing to follow your will and do your will. You have given them grace. Thank you, Father, for this. Thank you, too, for the many prophecies that were given, some very unique and specific prophecies that point exactly to Jesus. No mistaking, you have revealed your, your will very clearly. You've also given us the very clear instructions to those that were directly involved. And, and thank you again for the confidence that we have that even today, you also will give us some very specific and clear instructions if called upon to do your will in this way. So we pray your continued blessing as we go from here that we also be like the shepherds and be willing to share the news that, we're, that we were given. Thank you, Lord, that you have again um, chosen, not only the, then, but even today, even now, Emmanuel, God with us. You are still with us in the form of your Holy Spirit. You have anointed us with your spirit that indwells, that fills and indwells us and gives us the power to 
live according to your will. Thank you again for the many wonders of Christmas. May you bless us as we go from here. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.